All right, what's up, everybody? Chris Brandt here with another wide open podcast with yours truly. And then, uh, you know, the dude on the other side of the line, Ross Robinson. What's up, Ross? What's up, everybody? Glad to be back with you. Round number five here. Um, so let's just let's just dive right into this. Uh, this is um, we're gonna we're gonna select one off of the the request list, and it's been really cool for everybody um, to to give us the feedback. And I guess Ross, first, um, let's let everybody know where to find this, what you've been seeing uh, comments wise, and and give the folks a little little look into that yep so we're here on uh probably itunes is where everybody's listening we're also on spotify and google play so please feel free to reach out and let us know if there's anywhere else you would like us um we're still working on getting better and more dialed in on this uh i think our audio game has stepped up but trying to get some video action um this one will not be on youtube but that's the next step for us as well as getting all of them up on youtube so you guys can listen uh wherever is most convenient for you but uh, the best thing for you guys to do to help us out is uh, leave a review, um, subscribe to the podcast. Lots of you guys are listening but not subscribed. We would really appreciate a subscribe on that on iTunes and also Spotify. Uh, yeah, but we really appreciate everybody listening, and the feedback has been amazing. All right, cool. Enough of that junk. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get down to some fun stuff. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, we've. It's cool, and in some of the comments that we've we've gotten from uh, podcast one through four, um, just a lot of input and a lot of suggestions of of what to talk about next. And so we're gonna we're gonna do one. And uh, one thing that we get not only for the podcast and, and subjects to talk about, but talk about countless emails and messages uh, via Instagram and Facebook and all of that is we're going to talk about some sled setup stuff and, and maybe more specifically um, sure get a lot about suspension, uh, both stock suspension, what, what we do on, on a sled, if we don't have the budget to put shocks on what we do on, on a stock equipped machine and, um, all the way up to if guys are wanting to upgrade their suspension, um, whether they're riding, um, you know, depending on what type of mountain riding they're doing. And so we're going to, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're also going to talk about, um, just sled setup in general. Um, and, and we have talked about some bar height and, and stuff like that, but, um, I think we'll dive in a little bit more about, um, some turbo versus non-turbo setups, uh, clutching gear down. Do I gear down? Do I not gear down? What, what kind of setup specifically works for what I would like to do? So I think, uh, I think that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and so Ross, um, I thought it was pretty interesting. We, you know, we were discussing what you and I were going to talk about today and and you said uh, you just got yourself a, a new pony, a new uh, a new dirt bike, which is pretty cool. Um, and <laughs> it's funny, you know, we we live in in the snowmobile world and and sled setup, and we're on the snow so much, and so we can kind of get a good feel of what we like and how to adjust the suspension. So you get this bike, and the first thing you you say to me is, "I have no idea what I'm doing with this bike, and I got to get it set up and and figured out." Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I, I realize how important setup is from sledding and like, I know why I need to do certain things, but I feel like 
some of our the people that come ride with us or people that we talk to as soon as I got the bike because I'm just not super well versed in you know what do I need to do to make this thing perform the best you know essentially without throwing a bunch of money or wasting a bunch of money on it what is what are the necessities that make this thing um, do the best because it's funny um, it's it's hard anymore to just go buy something off the showroom floor and not have to do a few things to it to make it perform the best for you because everybody's a little bit different and everybody needs to kind of adjust it to their how they like it and and what works best for them so yeah I feel that for sure and you know the theory behind why we're doing certain things on the snowmobile is also what I've been trying to figure out on the bike you know why do you do this why do you run you know this suspension setup or this you know, jetting or fueling or all of these different things. So the theory behind it is also very interesting to myself. Well, and I think what's interesting in how I um, approach this when I when I get the question of um, wh- what do you think of the way the sled comes set up stock and, and what do you do to change it? And, um, you know, the manufacturers have an incredibly tough job when it comes to suspension because i mean look at the variety of riders that are buying an access rmk so you have my dad who's 65 who rides with a knee on the seat and uses the mountain bar still which i want to punish him every time um (laughs) and then you have guys like yourself and i who are you know demanding the most out of the sled for technical backcountry steep riding and then we have the average mountain rider who you know uses the sled for you know uses it for trail a little bit but wanting to get more off trail and more open terrain and then uh and then we've got the young bucks out there who are purchasing a sled and jumping and you know hucking cliffs and all this stuff and so uh, you know the demands of the manufacturer to try to meet those those demands of of all those different users is a really tough job and so i think um for on, on the player side of things you know for for off trail riding technical riding i think they do a pretty good job of of being right in the middle um and so let's let's just chat and talk about um what we do specifically on a sled that is just a bone stock snowmobile stock suspension um you know for so for me personally and and so this is where you have to ask yourself what is my use demand and and what what am i trying to set the sled up for Um, again, for me, the type of riding I want to do, I will compromise a little bit on the trail to make sure that my sled gets up on edges, your side hills better. And most importantly for me, gets up on top of the snow and climbs good. Those are, those are the things that I do. And so on a stock suspended sled, um, the front suspension, I find pretty dang close to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. whether you get, uh, on the RMK, whether you get the standard, uh, shock or the clicker shock you know the clicker shocks do give you a little bit of adjustability in the on the compression side of things um it they run a fairly soft spring rate in the front which i like which allows me to help get the sled up on edge a little easier uh compression wise i actually leave the fronts about where where they are um in the rear that's where i make quite a few changes um i like a front track shock to be as loose as 
possible. Uh, as, and when I say loose, I'm talking about spring rate. So the spring rate on the stock shock is, is fairly loose already. Um, I double check that. And if I can back it off just a, just a hair, um, uh, not too much because you don't want to lose that keeper that keeps that spring on there. Um, but back it off a few turns there. Uh, that will allow this, the, that front track shock to collapse, allowing the sled to to crawl up on top of the snow um, and then in the rear I will um, on a on a standard non-clicker shock I will increase the spring preload about a quarter inch which a quarter inch doesn't sound like much but it, it does increase the spring rate pretty substantially uh, which allows the sled to to like not basically not have as much squat um, when you're going through one of those moments of trying to get up on the snow. Being just a little stiffer back there stops the action of lifting the front end and allows that sled to crawl up on top of the snow. Um, and then on a clicker shock, I will, because I have a tendency of bottoming out that rear skid quite a bit on the trail going in, I will increase the clickers about three to four turns on uh on on the clicker shock so um that mm-hmm. that's kind of my setup uh ross what what uh you know we ride together here yeah. in colorado a lot but we have different different needs what would you say your preferred stock setup is um yeah i'm pretty close honestly uh you know just because of the train and places that we ride were the same and you know if anything i might leave my front track shock a little bit stiffer just because I like the front end to lift a little bit more. And, you know, when you're talking about that front track shock, I think the most, the common, um, maybe not mistake or just misconception of it is guys feel that that rear skid, it might be a little bit soft for their liking. So they go ahead and they preload both front and rear more. And then what happens when you preload that front track shock, maybe too much, is that that sled won't get on top of the snow as well. And really where we see that bottoming out is we see that in the rear track shock more so than the front track shock. So I think that's what guys kind of get mixed up a little bit. So how I look at it is the front track shock is it is more of a front end control and getting on top of the snow. That's where that really plays a key factor. And the rear track shock is for, you know, hitting holes, um, more of like a swing arm on a dirt bike or something like it's it is what actually soaks up the big bumps so i i see a lot of guys they crank both of them and then they're just like all of a sudden their their pro rmk or their axis that got on top of the snow so well isn't getting on top of the snow as well because they put all that preload in that front track shock so as you were talking about that i was just thinking that you know that's something that we can see quite often yeah i i agree with that statement uh but I, I, I'm going to run one thing by you. Um, I, I thought this yep. was really cool. This was back in 2011. I was on the photo shoot uh, with the with the brand new Pro RMK, and we were actually riding uh, Daniel Summit, and I dropped into this into this basin, and, and I was on a 155, and the snow was just super sugary and deep, and I actually was having a really tough time getting out of that stinking thing because the sled kept wanting to over transfer or lift the front end too much and i'm down in this bottom and i'm like this is ridiculous i cannot believe i can't get out of here and um i i literally this is this is a true story i literally grabbed the stock toolkit it had a spanner wrench in there i 
tipped the sled on its side. I took that spanner wrench and increased the preload on that rear skid um, about as much as I could, uh, which was maybe a little bit too much. But I flopped the sled back down and I literally wheelied out of the top versus not being able to make it with just that little bit of a difference. And from from that day forward, I was like, wow, the suspension is a gigantic difference. And, um, you know, to your point, that wouldn't be my preferred setup all the time. Increasing a bunch of preload in that rear shock is going to put pressure on the front end and make it not as fun feeling on the front. But there was there's a little give and take there if you if you yeah just wheelie if you wheelie around all all over the place then you can't go uphill and that's that's essentially the setup that that was in that sled yeah so what you're what you're looking for is a balance in that rear skid and it is it's certainly complicated and it's it's kind of hard to figure out and feel and it takes a lot of time and tuning if you like really want to spend the time doing it for yourself it it can be a little bit tricky um you know because there is only one two adjust uh, an adjustment on each shock so you got to find that that balance like you said yeah and i and i think uh it really depends also on on track length and so um you know the the very general question is how do you set up your suspension and uh, the problem is there's not just one answer to that it really is again figuring out what type of terrain you want to ride in uh sorry i had a phone call and it ringed through my headphones (laughs) (laughs) that's what that's awesome during a live podcast you're welcome um, anyway, so sorry, what I, what I was saying is, um, you know, really pinpointing and finding what exactly your agenda is with your sled. Um, and especially between a 155 and a 163. So, um, for the type of terrain and snow and everything that, that I like to ride here in Colorado, I have gone away from the 155 and now I'm riding specifically 163s. However, so my 163 setup mimics what I'm trying to do with a 155. Uh, And when I say that is I like the fun feel of the 155, but I like the, the way a 63 can just get the job done when it's deep and it's steep. And so I will, as we talked about, I will try to get some weight off of that front end to keep the fun feeling, but still have the extra traction of, of the 163. Yep. Yeah. So not, so if you're on a 55, you would probably run a softer front track shock than you would on a 163. Essentially, that's what we're kind of saying. Um, basically, you know, to simplify it. Exactly. On that. Yep. Yep. Put, put a little preload in that front track shock which takes a little weight off of that front end making the sled easier to get up on edge easier to initiate and yes it won't get on snow at uh, basic i guess as good if it was all the way soft but you have the longer track there to make up for that so again it's all talking about finding that that balance that works for you okay so we've kind of talked about the rear suspension and it's simple but tricky you know there's not a ton going on back there but it takes some tuning to get it balanced and where you like it. And, uh, but let's talk a little bit about setup in the front end, the front suspension and how we like to do that on a stock snowmobile. 
Yeah. So one 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 thing I, I kind of forgot to mention was again, you know, I I don't mess with the spring rate a ton in the front. I think it's it's fairly close stock out of the box. But one thing I see constantly, especially when guys show up at our place with their own sled, is we get quite a few guys who are taking their sway bars off. Uh, and it's when when I ask them what, just curious, why why aren't you running your sway bar? Oh, I I do this on all my sleds. And it's like, and, and or I've been doing this forever, right? And so the thing is, is back in the day when the sleds were heavy and wide and low to the ground, I could see where taking the sway bar off could potentially help. But with the with the new sleds, in my opinion, I think taking the sway bar off is a detriment and it makes the sled harder to ride because you know with our narrow front ends and and our ride height being higher and everything that that sway bar really helps to keep the sled stable in unstable conditions and the the thing that i hate the most of riding a sled without a sway bar is when you get in that slightly off camber terrain where you're not really needing to be on edge but you're trying to cut across something on two skis without that sway bar on there it really you you feel a lot of body roll and that body roll is going towards gravity which is downhill and i really i, I can't stand that feel of it, it makes the sled feel heavy and it makes the sled feel harder to ride because it's wanting to to go down the hill and so um you, you know what i tell people is the sway bar is is a very useful tool and if you're if you're trying to make up for um this if you're trying to make the sled easier to ride by taking the sway bar off i would say you need to look more at your technique and how you're tr- you're approaching your technique and getting up on edge versus the sled setup of taking the sway bar off. Yeah, and and with that sway bar, and we're talking about stock suspension, the that suspension package on the front end is tuned with the sway bar in mind. So go ahead, you take that sway bar off, and you lose a lot of rigidity. Then all of a sudden, your front suspension is just washy and 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 rolly, like you said, and it's it can be very uncomfortable. Um, you know, to ride and, and can kind of make you a mess when you're, you're just r- ripping back and forth, back and forth. And, and it makes the sled less stable and less predictable, I would say, in the front end feeling without a sway bar. Yeah. And, and again, I guess that's, that's our, our personal thought. Uh, and yeah. again, for the terrain that we like to ride, but I can't really think I, the only place where I could see running no sway bar being an advantage if you were full meadow militia guy and just loved you know flat powderville uh i think that that would be fine it would it would initiate a little easier um but as soon as you get into the more uh steeper more technical terrain i think then it becomes a detriment versus an advantage and so um something to keep in mind there uh for you guys who take sway bars off um you know especially when they do it on a brand new sled and they've never even ridden it um try try it first and 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 i would say if you're struggling with riding with the sway bar i would i would look at a little bit of technique versus uh the sled setup there yeah and, and so staying kind of on the front end side of things, we also see a lot of guys, you know, show up to our place in Colorado 
you know, with technical riding in mind, or that's what they like to ride. And the Polaris has the ability to adjust your ski stance um, just with bushings. So let's talk about our preferences with that a little bit. You know, it depends on the sled and it depends on quite a few things where we run our skis, actually. It it does. And, uh, you know, the tendency has been go narrow. Uh, we, we've had wider front ends, so you always put your skis in the narrow position. And that's just been the norm. And it was funny, the first time I rode a React front end, I had the skis in narrow and I was I was kind of messy. I was uh, the sled was really, really quick to react, which made me override the sled, which made me use more effort. And in more technical stuff, I was I was kind of um, I was just a little sloppy. And so as I was learning to ride that narrow or front end, uh, I ended up going back into the center and, and preferred it, preferred it better um so you know just again one of those things when when you get your new sled or or and and the first thing you do is put the ski in narrow take the sway bar off get the tall handlebar riser roll your bars forward like you used to do on all your old sleds you just made your sled incredibly hard to ride (laughs) Um, yeah so you know that for so for me um I, I have now gotten used to the stock front end, um, and so I've I've gone from r- running it in the center to now I, I do prefer the narrow, which is is really when you think about it, it's pretty cool to think of of that that progression of initially I didn't like it because the sl- I was overriding the sled or the sled was riding me, and then as I got used to it. I, which means I got my eyes further forward. I was responding to the chassis quicker and understanding what it needed and wanted body input wise. And so as I progressed as my riding with this front end, I was able to go narrower, which allowed the sled to be easier to ride and quicker. But I, but body position wise and movement wise, I was prepared and ready for that. And that's, that's really cool that you can, you can have that type of adjustability built into the chassis. Yeah. And, and with that, you know, I, I sometimes think about track length and whatever, whatever, whatever other things my snowmobile has done to it will actually can kind of dictate where my ski stance will be. Like I'll ride my stock sled, my stock 163 in narrow and then if I get on my turbo, I'm more more likely to put my turbo skis in the center just because it's a little bit more stable because that sled is so fast and so quick that I need a little bit more stability up front because I'll be an absolute disaster um, if I narrow them up too much. So, you know, it, it also depends on what you have going on with the sled. It's, you know, if you have anything else going on, that can dictate how nimble and quick that sled's going to react to you. Um, to your inputs. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I look at my setup on both my turbo and my lightweight build, and I I had uh, it's funny. I had my skis in the narrow, and I rode it one day like that, and I was like, nope, I can't. I it was it was just <laughs> too much and too too quick, and I would have loved to put you on it. Uh, that would have been hilarious oh, been to watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which actually, let's let's tell just a, a quick story about oh, sled setup. 
<laughs> okay, I think you know where I'm going to go with this. So, um, yeah. remember back in 2016, I built that sled that we called Monster which was one of the most unrideable sleds I've ever built. Uh, it was a lightweight 12 pound pissed off 12 pounds of boost pissed off boondocker turbo with a 155 with everything tie and carbon on it. Um, and uh, it was it was so incredibly hard to ride because it was just violent. And I remember we were up uh, we were up in one of our zones, and I was just having a, a a blast. And the snow was awesome, it was super deep. And I was like, Ross, you have got to ride this thing. And so you know, I, <laughs> I had some time under my belt uh, under the, with the snowmobile, and so I had gotten some time to get used to it. And I stick Ross on this snowmobile in the flattest meadow. Um, that that we have and the snow's deep and and i'm like dude go 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 rip this thing and why why don't you take the story from here well (laughs) yeah i i think i was probably riding a stock sled and i get on this thing that we've spent so much time and effort in and you know chris is just riding wheelies everywhere and just you know it's it's a really just it's like a the amount of showmanship you can have on that sled was insane. It was just really fun to watch you ride it. And I get on the thing. And as soon as I get on boost, I go into like a 12 foot belly drag wheelie across the meadow, <laughs> completely out of control. And I could, I could not get the snowmobile to go forward and just, it just wanted to like leap up. And, you know, it was really hard to, to adjust to that. And, Especially, you know, you needed a lot of time on that thing to figure out how to ride it. Um, and I think, you know, that sled really changed how you looked at building snowmobiles. And we learned a lot from that build because it was like we almost took it too far with what we wanted. And uh, we had to adjust after that because it was it, it just wasn't practical for what we wanted to do. And I mean, I sure as heck couldn't ride it. And I'd challenge anybody else except you to try to ride that thing. It was insane. Well, and as as you're talking about that, I mean, I vividly have the memory. I'm standing across the meadow. I'm like, you know, talking to the clients. Oh, guys, look, watch, watch this. And you, like you said, you described, you're just like in this uncontrollable wheelie. You fall off the sled. You dive into the meadow. You, you're stuck on a $35,000 snowmobile on flat ground in a meadow. And I'm just like, Ross, you you're the first one to get my snowmobile stuck. How, how, how do you feel about that? And, um, but, but you know, it, it was, it, it was literally like, you know, you see those guys on, on those stand up jet skis and in the water, just, you know, kind of porpoising up and down on that tail. You could do that. You could bunny hop this snowball, uh, for you as those of you guys who have been following me on social for a long time. One of the, one of the biggest videos I ever posted was, um, in a, in a big open meadow, I was riding that sled and I was literally bunny hopping out of the snow, like porpoising out of the snow. Like I was on a jet ski on flat ground with that snowmobile. And, and that was, that was pretty cool, but you're right. That, that definitely led to, um, cause what was interesting that year. So that was a, a race gas turbo, um, that built a ton of power, ton of speed, but I could, I couldn't use it. I couldn't go up cause it would just wheelie over backwards and it was just out of control and hard to ride. But that year I also built a 163 pump gas turbo. Um, you guys might remember bust a lime still one of the craziest, coolest sleds. And it was pretty, pretty basic to be honest. It had stock, um, 
front arms with some suspension. I did have a carbon skid in it because I just love that thing. And it's a lot of weight. But, you know, as far as builds go, it was it was pretty straightforward and pretty standard. And I could go more places on that sled uh, than I could on on monster and it was the track length i mean the track length and less power um i could actually ride the dang thing and so that led me into the next year of uh of building that uh that real that super light 163 um teal and chrome sled um uh, which that 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 was still the uh, that we talk about you know craziest sleds ever that one was pretty magical um what was I, I, um i get hit in the head a lot with tree Spool. branches i can't even remember uh yeah uh, wasn't that LL. LL. yeah no no it was the year yeah. before ll spool j um i can't remember but um anyway that that slid you know again changed <laughs> changed how i look at things but um you know just just proving the point that um sled setup is is 100 percent key yeah totally and, you know, with sled setup to kind of go back to setting up a stock snowmobile, probably another huge, um, huge part of it is the, the controls, the place where you spend most of your time. That's where you're contacting the sled and that's where you're dictating, you're telling the sled what you want it to do. And that's the handlebar setup. And we also see guys struggle a lot with how their sled is set up bar wise and it's preference for sure but I, there's definitely some things that we find that just that make it easier to ride and better to ride um so chris if you want to talk about a few of those things and whenever we hop on somebody else's sled we're always adjusting them like right off the bat we can't even pull them out of the shop without <laughs> yeah. like changing something exactly you just you just stole the words out of my mouth i mean i'll get on a sled and we have this uh no client loading or unloading snowmobiles in our trailer or shop roll because we've just seen some dumb shit um but one of the things that is just mandatory for me is i can't have my throttle flipper down i i I just it just drives me bonkers to have my throttle down and so i'll you know first thing i do is i get on the sled i start i go to go and i'm like oh yeah this won't work and so i have to rotate the throttle up and then if they have the breakup you know that means i i can guarantee i already know this person isn't going to be riding with a finger on the brake so i'll have to help with that um so i i like uh brake down just a bit and throttle up just a little bit and that helps me keep my elbows up and in in the attack position um and less fatigue on my body so so control wise those are the first things that i look for is is that throttle placement and the brake placement um and then uh obviously height is a really big one uh we we've talked about that almost on every podcast because uh i feel so strongly about it but um you know i'm a six foot tall guy and i run the lowest handlebars possible i run the the polaris five inch bars and you know whether it whether you're riding polaris skidoo or cat the skidoos were are are really bad Uh, i mean the polaris are too to be honest uh with the stock bar the stock seven inch bar um but the, that skidoo tall riser uh, with those tall bars uh, man it just absolutely crushes people uh when we try to get them out into the the terrain we're wanting to do and and mostly it's because um in a lot of the situations we're trying to put you in uh your handlebars when they're taller 
will have leverage over you versus what you actually think of uh, with a taller bar that you'll have <clears throat> more leverage on the snowmobile. It's, it's actually the, the opposite. And, you know, I've, I've, I've fought tooth and nail with, uh, with, a, a good buddy of mine, Marty Sampson at Polaris on this. And I was like, dude, our bars are too tall. They're too tall. And he said, not everybody rides it like you. And I'm like, well, I agree with that. And, um, you know, if you're just out there riding meadows, you can get away with riding whatever handlebar height you want. Um, but, uh, I guess to his point that, uh, a taller bar in that flatter terrain, I, I guess you could, get away with it and you know the the number one thing i always hear when i tell everyone well why why don't why don't you run low bars uh versus these tall bars is well my back hurts going down the trail and i'm like so you're telling me you bought a pro rmk for the trail because if if, if mm-hmm. there there's got to be a little give and take it, there's going to be a compromise setup wise for technical steep riding and trail and so again ask yourself what is your agenda for your sled? And if there's a little compromise of me having to be, you know, in that a little bit more tack position and bending down for me to have better leverage, better control, um, and less fatigue when I'm side hailing, well, that's an easy no-brainer decision for me. Yep. And, you know, as these sleds become, you know, they, they, they turn into closer to like, you know, we're riding them neutral. We're riding them like a dirt bike. They're crazy um, machines right out of the box. And if you look at the moto guys, I mean, their bars are down. They're in that attack position, kind of elbows up more. And that's how we want to set our sleds up. So, you know, our wrist isn't all, you know, turned down and at an awkward angle. Um, you, when, you, when you're standing on your snowmobile, you know, your knees are slightly bent, your elbows are up a little bit, wrists are straight, just gives you leverage and comfort when you're actually in that kind of attack position, riding hard. And, uh, you know, it just, it make it, it, it allows you to ride longer too. tall bars. It's crazy. When I ride a sled without, with tall bars, I am significantly more tired by the end of the day. Um, I can feel it within by lunchtime. I'm like, man, I'm getting tired. And it's, it's a lot of times because that I just have to put in a lot more effort with those taller bars. So that's yep, the biggest, yep, I, biggest part. I agree with that. And I've got a, a quick story about that, but I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to that story because I want to say one more thing. Um, and this won't take long is the, the other thing that we see is a lot of the times the bars are rolled forward or back and whether, you know, some on the skidoo, it's a huge difference if that bar riser is straight up and down from the post instead of in line with the post, uh, especially with the, the, the way their steering is. Um, that That is that's a, a big difference setup wise, but on the players as well, you know, we see them tipped forward quite a bit. And when I, when I ask them about it, I'm like, how do you ride this? So like, well, I don't know. I got it from the dealer like this. And it's like, well, you know, it's, it still is your job to set your snowmobile up for you. And, um, should the dealer have done it correctly, which is having that, handlebar in line with the steering post well yes but it didn't it didn't get done um that way so you know those are a couple that that's one definitely quick little thing that you should look at um 
prior to riding your sled for the first time is making sure that that handlebar is in in line with that steering post. So um, that's one thing. Let me go back to that that story. So you were mentioning, you know, when you ride, like for an example, one of our fleet sleds that we have the tall bars on for when we get those six foot four dudes from Sweden um, that come here. (laughs) And and, um, so I have a, a funny story. I was doing the Polaris photo shoot on, uh, on one of the new model year sleds. And, and I, so it's usually, uh, right around January 1st, right around that time frame. So, I mean, I've got two months of good riding in like November, December, I'm in riding shape. I'm prime and I'm ready and I've been riding hard and, I get to the photo shoot and you know, the photo shoot I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the NAR stuff so we can get the cool footage and the pictures and all that stuff. And I just, I couldn't believe that I was getting arm pump. I was literally getting fatigue in my forearms and in my upper body. And I had been, and I hadn't got that all year. And it was just because of the, the handlebar setup or the setup of the sled I was riding there that it, it really, I couldn't believe that. I'm like, what, what is this feeling in my arm? I can't move. It's like, well, that's arm pump, dude. So, um, it's, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, it it certainly doesn't. I mean, it's funny. We, we sometimes will ride places, you know, if we go to Grizzly Lodge, we're obviously not on our personal sleds or if, if we're, we go somewhere and we we're riding a sled that we don't own. Sometimes we get, sleds with tall bars like you're talking about and when like you and myself go and if kyle's there like when we go to grizzly and we're riding demo sleds it's like we're ready to get in a fist fight over which sled has low bars because we know it's gonna it's gonna affect us over the next week of riding so it is super important and you know it's 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 just something that that's the thing that we believe in the most i'd say is setting up a sled is those low bars that put you in that position to get the job done well and i think what's funny about that i mean thankfully i pay the bills going to grizzly and i get first sled choice because if if and and this this is this is real if i had the the option of a sled with more power or a sled with lower bars uh to go ride for a whole week digging clients out i would pick the sled with low bars and that's that tells you how important in the in the list of or the ranking that 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 is for me is because I will be less fatigued, I will be better, and I will uh, I in the end I think I will be able to take that sled more places than a sled with more power. Yep, yep, I agree one hundred percent with that. So one one more thing, we're we're about forty minutes in in, so that's a, usually when we've been cutting this off. So I think what we'll do, we'll do a, a podcast part two of sled setup because we still haven't even dove into, um, you know, like clutching and and gear downs and do I turbo not turbo all this fun stuff. So we'll we'll maybe we'll talk about that next Wednesday uh, for podcast number six. But I've got one more here, um, and this this is again talking about sled setup up in bar height then and, and so our good buddy kyle pulsiver kyle i wish you were here so i could slap you in the face um but <laughs> kyle the last two years has been so stubborn when he orders his sleds he's oh yeah i'm going six inch bars i'm like dude you're like five two well he's not five two, <laughs> oh my he's God. he's 
he's short he's shorter than me right and he orders (laughs) a taller handlebar than me and i'm like what are you doing and and so it's the same thing as reference wise as i talked about you know when i was talking about running my front end in the narrow versus the the middle um i wasn't quite ready for the quickness of the chassis with the narrow so i went to the to the middle it was the same thing for kyle and it finally hit him this year and he finally was getting into the the type of terrain where he could feel the difference this year of a six inch bar and and or having a five inch bar and i saw it so many times you know i'm sitting up on on the top of freaking hellville right and i'm just i got my phone out and i'm laughing and i can see as he's coming up trying to you know he wants to one up me and he wants to show me up and he wants me to high five me up at the top which i love that i love the t- the tenacity that he has to do that but as he's coming up there was so many times where i'm like oh his bars just screwed him there right they he would get up in this little wheelie and all he had to do was set that sled back down on edge and get around but those sled those bars were so far up in his chest he got in the back seat had to let off and then couldn't complete the line and so it was at the finally i got it out of him at the end of this season well, mm-hmm. I think I should probably order five inch bars next year. I'm like, you think? So yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it, it it was cool to see, and and you know what that means to me is that he is he is understanding more sled setup wise, and and I mean that's what's really cool is to look both at what you have done and what. Um, Kyle has done uh, as we ride six days a week we get so much better at the feel of the snowmobile and understanding what we need it to do and there's so many cool things that we can do to to help us achieve those goals of making the sled easier to ride and more manageable in Narville in those situations where it's do or die and you can't mess up for sure yep and it's funny, real quick, you talking about six-inch bars reminded me of the second year you and I were down in Chile together. I like to- I totally screwed the <laughs> sled set up for like a year probably because <laughs> we're down in Chile and like it's, we don't have a massive shop. Like we're unloading sleds like on the side of the road on a hill and I'm unloading sleds after a day and it's like kind of on like this like sketchy pavement hill like we have a short little trailer with a steep ramp and i'm tired and i'm just like typical moron roscoe move i i back your sled off and kind of get a little sideways and i end up rolling brant's sled off of the trailer bending his five inch handlebars down in chile so we're not getting other bars which they were tie by the way yeah they were titanium he's i'm like oh i'm so done he's gonna be pissed so i'm like uh I, I might have rolled your sled off the trailer and bent your handlebars. So I, I stayed up the rest of the evening, put six-inch bars on his sled, which we had. And then for the rest of the, the trip, he's like, man, these six-inch bars aren't too bad. But, but that that lasted a while, and then he you went back to the five inches. But it was funny that I, like, I totally screwed you on that deal. Um, but, you know, classic moron Roscoe move, rolling sleds off trailers. Um, well, um, yeah, that, that was, I, I heard the noise when, cause I was in the shop. I heard the noise. I'm like, surely that's not my snowmobile in, in the middle of the road. Oh and I, 
sure shit, there's my snowmobile laying on the side of the road at titanium handlebars bent down to the gas tank. What the hell, dude? Yeah. Um, but uh, what's what's funny about that is, so we put six-inch bars on, and um, I, I remember that. It, you, and when you say you set me up poorly for a while, you did because – so I rode down in Chile. And, and Chile's terrain is a little different than what we have here in Colorado. It's a little more open, um, not – I'm not going to say not as technical, but there's less of you know that really steep, gnarly uh, stuff. It's, 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 it's awesome and fun terrain, but it's just – it's different than Colorado. It's something where I could yeah. get away with riding six-inch bars. And so I rode Chile – and I, I pulled the full Kyle Pulsifer and I said, you know what? I'm going to order my sleds with six inch bars this year. And I put titanium. I, I even had skins make up six inch handlebars in titanium for my personal sleds in Colorado. And um, I put those on and I had my sleds all built. And the first couple times I went out, I'm like, this is absolutely stupid. Um, and I, because I kept con- constantly in our sugar snow and our baseless early season snow i mean i had these handlebars in my chest and i was wheeling over backwards and i couldn't even ride the damn thing and so i ended up shelfing those those bars and and going back to my five inch bars and so um it, it's it's funny um you you can get away with the six inch bars in in a little bit more of that medium terrain and not even medium just not gnar um and yeah. so yeah. i thought that was a, a pretty funny uh lesson for me and uh i've been five inch ever since so um yeah. and, but and and when you th- when you but, think about that so like if you're if you're listening and you say well i don't ride that gnarly of terrain and you know then six or tall bars aren't, aren't going to be bad for me but you have to ask yourself what is the there's no downside to running five inch bars in my opinion, the, the, the six inches like down in Chile, we had a little bit more forgiving snow, different terrain, and they worked, but there's no downside to going shorter. All there is is upside, you know, for, in my opinion. So that's kind of what I think you have to ask yourself, even if you're not a technical rider, you know, if you, if you are just, you know, more of a, a meadow guy or um, you're not in the total gnar, there, there is no downside to the five inch bar. It's just, uh, it, it just helps a little bit more. So I'm going to leave you guys with this um, when the, the bar height thing can be a little confusing, but I'm going to leave you with this simple strategy. So if you are six foot or below, uh, I would 100% go five inch uh, on the Polaris five inch or uh, or five, do the five inch bar if you're six foot tall or smaller. Um, on the Skidoo side of things, get rid of that stock riser and go to, I think theirs is a four inch. I can't remember, but, um, you know, go to the next lowest size riser on that. Um, if you're, if you're on that taller side, that six, one, six, two, excuse me, maybe the six, maybe the six, uh, inch bars that maybe those are, are the right recipe for you. Um, and you know, if you're six, four, then, then it makes sense to be the the seven inch bar. I look at Keith Curtis. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, that guy is a tall, lanky dude with arms that I think he can touch his toes without even bending down. Um, that's <laughs> why he rips so much on the on the hill climb course. But you know, he he runs he runs the stock seven inch bar with no riser, uh, and which which tells you that that that's what he needs leverage wise to to be good to go.
Yep. I agree 100%. Cool. All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap this one up a little longer than the previous one. So sorry. Uh, that just means that we have a lot of fun, cool stuff to talk about. And um, again, man, these podcasts are so fun. Uh, it's, it's great hearing you guys uh, responding very well to them and uh, love getting the Instagram stories of of killing some drive time or office time listening to uh, Wide Open with Chris Brandt and Ross Robinson here. So we'll uh, we'll be back again next week uh, talking about we'll probably do just uh, round two of sled setup. We haven't even dove into uh, setting up uh, aftermarket suspension. So like on the Fox side of things, air shocks, uh, and then we'll dive into the the whole very confusing world of clutching gearing turbo non-turbo all that fun stuff so uh ross sign us out of here yeah. and uh yeah th- thank you guys for listening we really appreciate it uh like i said in the beginning of the show uh leave a review um be sure you're following us you're subscribed um that way when we do post a new podcast you're notified on your phone you're notified you know wherever you listen and you're aware that we got some new content for you guys and let us know how you like the more technical talk you know talking about sled setup that kind of stuff uh yeah just just reach out to us and let us know what uh you'd like to hear from us uh on the podcast so thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time peace out see ya